I'm Scott Farber, along with former New York Giant, current NFL Player Association president of the Dallas-Fort Worth chapter, host of this podcast and the TV show The Extra Point, seen on the GBC TV network, Memphis living legend, and he's about to conduct the NFL Player Association meeting. He's Larry Mallory. And man. good friend of Scott Farber. There, there you go. Good to see you, man. Well, we're on location today at the uh, Chop Shop Sports Garage in right. Carrollton. That's right. You know, and the owner is Ray Crockett. It former, is. Former NFL player. It is, and we're very, very proud to promote his business. He has a number of restaurants in the DFW Metroplex, and he's allowed us to have our chapter meeting here. This is our second time having the event here, and, and, and we welcome people to come. It's a lovely venue. You know, and, and it's interesting to me, I was reading up a little bit about him. We were hoping we'd get him here today. Of course, he's not here tonight, but that's but that's okay. But I was reading, he played uh, um, 14 years in the NFL, two Super Bowl wins with Denver, and uh, um, played in 1991 on the Lions. Yeah. And a gentleman by the name of Utley was on that team who got paralyzed in one of the games, mm. his legs. And uh, Ray did a documentary a while back where he went into a wheelchair for 30 days. I'm really curious to see how that, you, you know. He went into the wheelchair to kind of feel how it is. To, to see be, what it was like, and I'd like to well, know how that worked. powerful. Would, yeah, yeah. So, you know, we, we have to get him one time. We, we will get him. You, you Ray know. is just a general person, you know. has He's been supportive of the chapter. He's been supportive, obviously, of our events. Right, right. Allowing us to come to, to uh, one of his venues. And we'll definitely get him on the show and, and tell that story because that's a that's a heartwarming story. You know, yeah, um, Mike Utley was the uh, uh, his teammate, the yeah. lineman. You know, I remember that back in 91 when it happened. Yeah. He also did a uh, TV show with uh, on ESPN with, with Dick Butkus. And I wonder what that was like. Ray Crockett did? Yeah, yeah. Well, now... Then we really have to get Ray Crockett here because we know your love for the Bears. Well, that's right. That's <laughs> so, right. But so. I, I'm just curious what it was like doing a show. You, you know, was he in awe of Dick Butkus? You know? I, I think he probably was. Dick, <laughs> you know, Dick Butkus had a pretty good impact on everybody in the league. You know, he loved to hit. <laughs> so. All right, Larry. Well, la last show we got a lot of your political views, and uh, <laughs> wow, I'm glad we have another show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, I'm just curious now, you know, you know, the president of the United States is in Vietnam now. Yeah. Meeting with uh, the North Korean leader again, trying to make some kind of uh, nuclear deal. Mm -hmm. And his former attorney, who they dubbed the fixer, Michael Cohn, is laying a bunch of stuff against Trump to Congress this week. Only in America. Well, let's say, hooray for split screens. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right? that's right. At the end of the day, that is, it's going to be a very, very interesting week you yeah. know, for television viewers Yeah, to be able to. We obviously have to. They're 12 hours ahead of us. Right, right. So, you know, we obviously have to see what's going on in that part of the world. But I think a lot of people are interested in what's going on in this part of the world. Now, when we're taping this, it's, uh, it's Tuesday night. It is. And uh, Michael Cohn speaking to the Senate today in private. Tomorrow, we're all going to be glued to our TV sets. That's because, why we had the meeting tonight. So. Right, that's right. That's right. You know, so we have, you know, um, our viewing is, I mean, it's just, it, it's fascinating. Only in America this would happen, though. Well, where, where something like this, to, both things are so important. Is Trump concentrating on uh, North Korea? 
Or is he going watching what Michael Cohen's doing? Well, let's hope let's hope that that statement only in America, you know, really pans out to be correct. Because at the end of the day, this week, you know, we can't predict what's going to happen this week. Right, right. We know that Mr. Trump would like for things to be very positive. Right. And to look as if he has the opportunity to be considered for the Nobel Peace Prize. Right. <laughs> right. So we know that's it's one crazy. of the one of the prerequisites of this yeah. this whole meeting. You know, yeah, but yeah. we don't know the prerequisites of the Cohen interviews, right. especially tomorrow. Right. And I would be so interested to see the ratings. Oh, they're going to be through the roof. <laughs> they're going to be through the roof. You, you know, um, what is going to happen to cable television when all of this is over? Hmm. I tell, mean, tell is their audience just going to drop? I mean, they're going to start having to cover news. That's true. That's true. Instead of the point. daily political. Well, I guess that is news, but, you know, that's all they have talked about for two years. You know, America, in the world's eyes, have always been a bastion of hope, right. of opportunity, of leadership, and those things. And when, when I saw the text, the Twitter today from... The Gates. Yeah, Congressman Gates. Congressman yeah. Gates. Yeah. It, was, it really didn't give America the same type of, you know, impression, global impression that we've always. And, and, and my question was had. that, did he do that because he wanted to, or do you think he was asked to do it? Uh, motivated in some way. Yeah. Um, I mean, that was just interesting that I found it just didn't seem called for under the circumstance, you know. Um, is that to knock down Cohn's credibility? I mean, well, we don't know what it was for, but we do know that it was in a, somewhat inappropriate this early before he speaks to the public. Right, right, right. And I think tomorrow is, is going to be exciting for a lot. Tonight's going to be exciting for a lot of people because we're going to have a lot of our former players here. We're going to have chapter elections tonight. We'll, you know, get our leaders in place. But tomorrow... All those guys will probably be looking at the television yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> trying yeah. to see what's going well, on. Well, speaking of which, we're going to bring in Lifford Hobley, oh, yeah. a, a friend to this network. Lifford, come on in. Just just walk in. I'm going to, I'm going to get rid of my, uh, my soft drink here. <laughs> Notice how you guys don't have your drinks because I don't think they're soft. That's true. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Oh, but, you know, we I mean, played in a – All my uh, drinks are soft. Yeah, <laughs> but we played in a league. It was yeah. kind of hard. Yeah. Too, so. <laughs> Well, you know, Lifford was telling us, you know, before we went on, you know, just a fascinating story about a documentary about Martin Luther King back from your hometown. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. tell us about that, because I just found oh, that fascinating. Yeah. Larry and I had an uh, opportunity to go to Shreveport last summer uh, to participate in a football camp that I helped to create for uh, one of our players, former players, Rosa Collins. So while we were there, we were invited to the release of a documentary, which was basically based on... Uh, how Shreveport history came to pass, which included the appearance of Martin Luther King in Shreveport before leaving to go to, go to uh, Memphis, Tennessee. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So basically, oh, 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 before he was murdered. Yes, mm -hmm. yes, oh, that's boy. where he was actually oh, uh, hiding, uh, <laughs> basically, and it showed all those things were, uh, of course, a certain uh, city officials were involved in trying to find him what they planned, what they were planning, who knows. But the clergymen there in Shreveport were able to hide him from house to house, from church to church, and uh, safely kept him safe the entire time he was there. Did this documentary go into at all about what his life had to be like? 
you know, it, living in hiding. It it was. I could imagine. I couldn't imagine the things that he had to face or the things that he endured, basically right. based on trying to make things better in this country for not right. just blacks, but for everyone. Right, right. For all race, creeds, and colors. It didn't matter. As far as I know, he always felt he might not make it, you know, that someday he would be assassinated. You know, he, he felt you know, that. I can imagine as he got older, he more than likely saw, you know, things that were realistic that he wasn't going to make it yeah, through. Yeah. Uh, he wasn't going to be free to do the things he... Uh, Fault to do now. Now, in the documentary, were there um, policemen interviewed, clergymen interviewed? Who was in the actual filming? <laughs> I tell you what, there are some. There are some. Very, were you guys very, in it? Some history. No, he there. was in it, but he, I was you know. actually a part of the uh, panel. Okay, yeah. uh, the youngest person on the panel. You know, everyone <laughs> else was. Um, I would say uh, Larry back in the fifties right, right, during right. that time, coming through the sixties in that period where they were actually the same age or right. a little bit younger right, than right. than Dr. King. Right. So this being Black History Month, you know, coming to the end, this is a great time. I'm glad you gave me a chance to talk about this uh, because it basically had some of our pastors that were that are still. Uh, relevant in the church and how Shreveport runs right right, uh, right today uh, there was a there was a state senator who was a part of that past as well I mean, there was a first doctor in Shreveport black doctor in Shreveport who was a part of he and his wife both were a part of that past when, when was the documentary shot film uh, man they shot the documentary uh, probably about two years ago. Two years ago. And they're still trying to get it funded so we can get it out into the, uh, out public, into yeah. the public all over the country. You know, um, um, I'm wondering how filtered were people when they were giving their recollections? Were they telling what they remember? Were they trying to filter it to guard, be guarded? Not real. Not at all. Not at all. Okay. I think they were honest with their with the memories that they had because right. the majority of them were arrested for no apparent reason right, and right. held in prison for days and sometimes Were weeks. any of the policemen that that were policemen back then, were they in the documentary to, um, you know, when it was You filmed? know, I, I think there was probably one of the police officers that was actually part of the documentary as he got older, wanted to basically Tell clear, the story. To, clear yeah. to death. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, see, that would be interesting to see how people would talk about it today. You know, that were had to be part of what might not have been the right side of history. Oh, for sure. Yeah, you, you know. Um, yeah, no, it's interesting. Now, if you and see, Gator, I, well, I, I, I was a part of the. I was in the audience, and right. Lifford was on the panel. Did you get his autograph? Uh, well, I always get his autograph. Oh, okay. But he just he represented us so well, and yeah. as former professional athletes. Because each one of the panel members had to stand up and speak. Right, right. And he had gave a great presentation uh, in terms of not only his, his athletic background in Shreveport, but in the state of Louisiana, in professional football, and the whole nine yards. So he really represented us very well. Now, now Lifford, let me ask you something totally off the cuff. What did you think of the Super Bowl? <laughs> <laughs> great question. Sir. You know, I, I was actually I was at a friend's. We're watching a Super Bowl. Are you going to be like a I politician actually, now and no, here, here kind, of, kind of tell me how this was the I greatest was, game we ever I saw? I was cooking 
you know, I was in there in the kitchen making a great pot of gumbo for a friend of mine, and I spent a lot of time wondering when the game was going to start. <laughs> By the third quarter, I was still wondering when, when the game was going to start. What, what, what happened? Well, the anticipation of that game. Well, here, here, here it is. I can, I've talked to several people in the Atlanta area. Right. And they said they went on with their life like uh, there was like it was nothing going on. Yeah. Super you know, Bowl, no Super Bowl. Now, now, Larry did bring up the point, though, back in the day when we were young and you guys were playing. Right. You, you know, six to three was a football game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you oh, know. Yeah. But in today's world, we needed it to be forty-two to thirty-five. Yeah, you know, well, with those two teams playing, well, you would think it would have been forty-two to thirty-five. The, the two best offense in the that's league. What, that's what they said, yeah. but I don't think that was the case. What What happened? Well, it's it's one of those games where you see. Were they just afraid to do? You know, no, I I think you know. Unfortunately, the Patriots got a hall pass again, and then of course. <laughs> The Rams just got away with bloody murder yeah, yeah, in, yeah. in New Orleans. Yeah. I mean, that's when you look at replay. Yeah, yeah. And when New York steps in and takes a call and say, hey, you missed that call. We're going to step in and help. How can you not help New well, York on that one? Well, that well he is from Louisiana. That, that, well, I'm, I'm a Louisiana yeah, boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm kind of hurt. Well, you know, there are some other penalties that weren't called in that game, too. But, yeah, but, but, here, but, but here, that one? But here's an argument that I had with Larry, uh -huh. and he goes, he's got to research it. You know, because the coaches are not allowed to throw a replay flag on a penalty call or a lack of a penalty call. I think it should be part of the game now. That you get one one flag a game, that that penalty review it and see if a penalty should have been called, or review it to see if the flag should be picked up. Well, that's that's great, but why do we have New York sitting in the booth if they're not going to step in and help the officials the way they should be? Helped? Because it's not the ruling now. Yeah, but it shouldn't have to be yeah, a well, ruling. That's, well, that, well, we yeah. shouldn't have to have a ruling. Well, I know, but then to, to make. But the then game it, fair it has to, it has to be a ruling that, though because you can't just arbitrarily New York called and they want to change that play. Well, New York does a lot of things uh, in the middle of the contract. New York's welcome to do anything they want. They can't just step back and say, "Well, we can't do anything about that," but they can actually change the rules before the ink dry. They're the overriding body. This is a New Orleans fan. That's right. Yeah. He's a Louisiana I'm a Louisiana fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a Miami Dolphins fan to my, to my heart. I'm yeah. a Cardinal fan as well. What? But, boy, you're talking about the Saints, man. That's that's the boot we, we have to look out for. You, you know, I, I can accept it. What I can't accept from him is that he's a Dallas Cowboy fan. <laughs> a New York Giants cannot be... A Dallas Cowboy fan. Yeah, that's kind of that's that's sacrilegious. <laughs> you know, you know, right you know he pretends he's not to me all the time. See, you know, I grew up in Chicago. I've been down here 120 years. I'm a Bears fan. But you know what? I think there's another closet one. He, I think he is too. That you know, he played for the Giants. Talk about the Giants all the time. That Byron Williams guy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, um, 
he's a cowboy fan too. I bet you he's a cowboy. Hell yeah, he grew up here in Texas. Uh, oh, we do live. We do live right down the street from the stadium. So yeah, <laughs> don't you start admitting that you're a cowboy fan? I I'm like not. you. I like you better when you say you're not. I'm not. You know, you know, you know, you know. And anybody who needs a parking spot, Larry gives his yard, and then That's he, true. he's he's so concerned about the cowboys and their fans that he'll drive you then to the to the well, stadium. Well, we have to give a shout out to the one of the one of my more favorite cowboys who I went to college with. His birthday was just last Friday, I think, which is Two Talk. Yeah, yeah. Two Talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, Two Talk could be a Cowboy fan. <laughs> he can be a Cowboy. Yeah, fan. that that's that's allowed. But a New York Giant being a Cowboy fan, no, that doesn't work. You know, and, and whenever we talk about Tom Landry, he always would remind everybody that Tom Landry's on the walls of uh, oh, yeah. the Giant Stadium oh, yeah. too. Yeah, that's right. You know, that's you know. Right. Yeah, but, yeah, but still, you know, to be a Giant and a Cowboy fan, that's like me being a Jet fan in Miami. You know? Well, that's right. That's, 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 that's right. Awful. So that, that's, a, that's a bad thing for Larry. <laughs> that is. You, you know, so. All right, so next year now, give us, give us the way too early predictions. Who's going to be in the Super Bowl next year? Well, I tell you what, the Saints are pretty mad. They got knocked out twice back to back. Uh, I think they still have Drew Brees for another couple of years. Is he going to outlast all the talk Brady? Well, you know, Drew, Drew hasn't actually. I don't think Drew's been hit in about five years. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I don't think he's taken a sack yeah. uh, or had to run down the field with yeah, the football yeah, either. So yeah. he's got fresh legs yeah. and still has that great arm. Uh, they have great chemistry with all the receivers and their running backs are phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think their defense is actually going to continue to build. Uh, they'll make a run for the NFC again, I, and the AFC. Um, I tell you what, until teams start to realize that it's not that hard, right, right, to stop New England defensive coordinators in the NFL. All you have to do is play defense and talk to your players about not making mental errors it's just listen to tony romo because he called the it's game he called every simple. he called every play 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 your responsibility yeah. show up for your responsibility yeah. i think if you That's put some pressure line. on brady because in the playoffs he threw a hundred passes before he got sacked well you know I or he think, dropped back a hundred right. times defensive players look at situations it's not the situation it's the formation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, what they're yeah, not yeah. playing. You got to play to the formation and read your keys. Bottom line. And, and uh, what's Miami going to do next year? Miami's looking good. If, you know, we might want to trade up and uh, grab that little kid out of Oklahoma and Got bring a quarterback in. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. You think you ought to go football? I, I don't know. Hey. Well, he's I, going if, football. I, if, he's going football. I think, you know, if I'm uh, Kyler, if I'm you. I'm taking a guaranteed money. I'm going baseball, but ladies and gentlemen, for ten to fifteen to twenty years. Well, you know that's that's what we were talking about yeah. a couple of weeks ago, and but but, and I agree. I think he should take that baseball money, but here's the problem: when you're a 22 year old kid, and both leagues want you, one's going to send you to the minor leagues for two or three years, yeah. and one's going to put you out there. In an eighty thousand seat stadium, well, you're going to run out to the field, and they're going to be screaming your that's name. True, but you got three hundred and fifty pound men chasing you around that are just as fast as you. <laughs> yeah, and that's baseball. A, that's right. You, you just you might be. They, they say they're going to leave you there for two years or so, but he's such a great athlete. Right. I doubt right. if he's going to be there more than ten months. That's right. Because yeah. people about tickets to come and watch him. 
See, so he won't be in the minors long. I would think his dad was actually oh, pushing yeah. toward baseball. Yeah, well, he no, he made the decision to go football. Yeah. That's or, okay. Or, I, I think he can handle it. Uh, guy, guys look at him in this manner that, oh, he's a small boy. How tall is he? How heavy? He's a grown man. Right, right. He's going to be fine. Well, the Bears have, uh, he's not their quarterback, but Tariq Cohen. You know, it's like five, six, oh, and, yes. and, and a budding superstar in the league. Exactly. You, you know, um, yeah. yeah, no, it's a, it's amazing when you have the talent. But it's really interesting to me to, to see that he could play both sports that well. Um, Deion Sanders, you know, played both sports. He did. Um, Bo Jackson. And I was at a Cubs game, and Deion Sanders hit a home run. I was really pissed. <laughs> but I looked up his baseball stats. They weren't all that impressive. They weren't. He was a much better football player. Yeah. Uh, baseball, he I think was his good. Speed got him in different places yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, you know. Look at Bo. Bo had that was remarkable. It would have probably had a Hall of Fame either sport. Career. I think Hall of Fame if you would either uh, sport if you would similar to Jim yeah. Thorpe. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. But you know, it's funny we talk about Bo Jackson, and <clears throat> teenagers today wouldn't have a clue who you're talking about. Know. <laughs> you know, isn't it? You know. Um, Larry and I were talking last time. We had asked a bunch of millennials. Everybody knew who the Beatles were, but nobody knew who George Harrison was. Right. You know, exactly. and, and that's the same thing with Bo Jackson. Yeah. Now. Adam, you know who Bo Jackson is? Cindy, did you know that? No, okay. Yes, he did. Yeah, okay. Adam knew. Cindy had no idea. What baseball team did he play for? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Google him running up the center field wall when he made a catch. Yeah, yeah. White Sox. And, yeah, but Kansas City. Yeah, and, Kansas City. and then when he uh, had his hip replacement, yeah. he went to the White Sox yeah. and his first at bat, he hit a home run. Yeah, he did. Sure did. I mean, that's, I mean, that's, that's phenomenal. Yeah, that's just phenomenal. All right, well, Larry, we're going to end this because you got a meeting to run. Yeah, we have and, a and I And I want a little insight. Um, and it's elections. Is there anything we need to know? Tonight on the podcast about these elections? Well, no. That, watch, no. How, watch how he does the, he's This is a politician oh, over here. Got it. Got it. All right, let's go. No, let's no, hear, let's know, hear. That, know that the roles in the NFLPA and alumni, all these roles, they're not competitive roles. They're commitment roles. Right. And everybody that holds a leadership role, we're committed to making sure that the families and the players are former players get as much benefits, get as much information, get as much opportunity as they can. Because as former players, I don't care what helmet you wore, as former players, you're all on the same team. Right, right, right. Now, I want to ask you, I know you're the president of the Players Association. Mm -hmm. You're the president of the Alumni yes. Association. Mm -hmm. Right. Are these competing? No. Not in this market. Not in this market. That's why, you know, basically we uh, collaborate, we get together, and we discuss what's going on in the community around the country. Not to make a joke, but collusion is what you're saying. Oh, you know, correct. As <laughs> best we can. As right. best we can. We have so many brands. We have the legends. We have the NFL Retired Players Association, the NFL Alumni, uh, Professional Football Players Association. Uh, we have a trust, a couple of trust captains around the country for each chapter. So with that, there's so many. And then, of course, we have a Congress group. So we have to collaborate in order to stay together and stay cohesive. Yeah. Let me ask you guys both. Are all these new football leagues going to make it? I'm enjoying watching the I like the, uh, 
I don't know if the I don't know how uh, how long the XFL will make it. However, I think that both the leagues, with them having a minimum non guaranteed salary, mm-hmm. XFL has seventy five thousand a player, AF, AF, AAF has two hundred fifty thousand a player. I think in a capitalistic society, it's about capital. So yeah. they have well, a good and, chance. And we of, were talking about the kids not having to go to college. And you can go right through a $250,000 a year job isn't so bad either. That's not too bad. You know, right? because if you're going to make it, then you go to the NFL. And if you're not, you have college money. Right. And a little bit more. Right. You know, so it's... Well, uh, I don't know about a little bit more. Nowadays, college huh? is pretty expensive. And you yeah. should be talking about that. That's for sure. <laughs> Free. All right. College so you do about 250000 You know what? Thank you. Thank uh, Coach, Coach Charles McClendon. Bless you. Thank you so much for what you do for the LSU former players and their kids. Yeah. Uh, the Charles McClendon Scholarship Fund, as long as your kids' grades are the par, up to par 3.0 average, they're allowed at four free years of college. That's Any re- players that played from remarkable. Charles McClendon to 1986, uh, you millennials that came after 86 i'm sorry but yeah <laughs> there's something good before 93 i was wondering yeah, i was yeah, thinking yeah, the yeah. same thing <laughs> something before 93 that worked right. out okay you know That's it. That's all right we're gonna sure. let we we'll let you guys get to the meeting uh, lifford hobbly thank you for joining us today i appreciate Scott, thank it you, thanks, you know good all right man you, see you next time all right all the best thanks take care all right thanks take care all right thanks take care